Welcome to Let's Talk Shop, a podcast filled with business stories and practical advice for the product-based entrepreneur. My name is Therese and I help small business owners grow their wholesale. I hope that the stories and advice shared on this podcast will inspire action and help you build your business. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 3. Thank you so much for tuning in to Let's Talk Shop this week. I know it's a busy time of the year, so if you're packing orders, I hope that you enjoy listening to podcasts and that you pick up some tips and inspiration from this episode. Today, I'm talking to Joe from Form SE15, which is an independent fashion and lifestyle store in South London. I visited Joe's shop on a rainy autumn day and you can hear some traffic on the outside. I think there's an ambulance at one point, but that's what you get when you're visiting and recording in person. I am absolutely loving when I get the chance to go out and sit in face-to-face to the person I'm talking to and Jay's shop is so beautiful and if you haven't been and you are in the area I would I would absolutely recommend it. We talked all about how Joe got started and her background in fashion and how that has helped her get started in her business, how she deals with her suppliers and what is important to her as a retail buyer. So I hope that you pick up lots and lots of tips and inspiration so that you can go out and feel ready to tackle your wholesale. I appreciate it's a bit late in the year now, but if you do have existing stockists, remember to take care of them, check in to see if they are okay for for stock, keep them updated with out-of-stock items or if your lead times gets longer. Just make sure that you keep on top of it and keep them well informed. Of course, don't feel disheartened if they don't have the time to get back to you because actually, if you don't hear from them, it might actually be a good thing because that probably means everything is running like it should. If you are feeling a bit overwhelmed at the moment and you're not quite sure what to do and you have trade shows coming up in the new year, you have new products launching in the new year, but you're also really busy this time of the year, then perhaps booking a power hour would be a good idea because sometimes when you take a little bit of time to step away from your desk and you look at the bigger picture and you get a little bit of an outside perspective it can really help you clear the mind I guess and get feel a bit more ready to move forward all the links on how to book a power hour is in my show notes or you can just dm me or email me and we can have a chat about it i would also love it if you would share where you are tuning into this episode show me where you're packing your orders or where you're listening while you are making your christmas stock or maybe you're at setting up a craft fair i don't know let me know where you are tuning in and remember to tag me over on instagram i'm small underscore business underscore collaborative and if you do like this podcast it would really really help if you left a review as well over on itunes or apple Podcasts. thank you so much and i hope you enjoy my chat with joe
Hello, Jay. Welcome to Let's Talk Shop. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on the show. No, thank you for inviting me. It's so lovely to be here. So for season two, I wanted to meet people a little bit more in their businesses, where I can, of course. So yeah. I've been to a candle making studio in East London. And there might be lots of background noise, but you're actually not open yet. Yeah, so. yeah that, it's a little bit helpful. Th- yeah. Thursdays are late night, so it kind of like makes it a little bit easier. It's lovely, your shop. Thank and you. This street is lovely. Yeah, it's it's just re- it's a, a street full of independent businesses. So I think that that was very important for me. Sort of sort of coming here, I used to work across the road in a different store. And just this whole street, there's like an independent butcher, there's a bookshop, there's cafes, there's like um, a really nice food store, two different clothing stores. Um, you know, it's people know each other. So it's like a really nice sort of community feel, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's really lovely. Yeah. So for those of, uh, listen, who are listening and don't know you, would you introduce yourself and what you do? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, my name's Joe Johnson and I own um, Form SE15 and we are a clothing and lifestyle store and we're on Bellington Road in Peckham, in Peckham Rye. And how did you get started and when did you get started? Um, so I opened last May, so May 2018 and um, I set up the store after being made redundant from my last job and I'd always had in my mind for like years and years I kept thinking to myself do you know what I'd absolutely love to have my own store and I already knew what would be in it and what kind of things I wanted to do um, and what sort of feel I wanted and how it would fit in with the community and in Peckham and so it was it was there in my mind and I think being losing my job and sort of the the last business that I was I was I was managing a store part time and that closed down and it was a bit of a shock to me but also I think sometimes you need a push with those kind of things yeah so. I would not have started my business had I not been redundant no I it was just the kind of I don't know, sign or push it, that you, you need. take it. You take it as a sign <laughs> from somewhere. I, I think with with me, definitely, I was applying for jobs at that point. I knew when my job was coming. I was told in January my job was coming to an end at the end of March, so I had a little bit of time. But during that time, I was applying for jobs. But whilst I was applying for jobs, apart from the fact that I was actually until I took my birthday off my CV. I wasn't getting anything really back, um, which is another whole discussion. But you're not actually. But it's that. But I think because I'm, I'm now, I'm now forty six, and I think that if you are doing um, a lot of things which are to do with sort of creative and sort of maybe fashion based kind of jobs, and you're applying for those, I don't know whether. I don't know, it was just a little bit of a disheartening thing. I, I wasn't getting anything back and I did actually get offered a, a few interviews once I just I thought actually I'll just send a CV with no date of birth on it, with my experience on it. Um, so in a way, I was kind of already a little bit disheartened trying to find something else and I just thought I'm probably never going to have this chance again. I'm not going to have the push mm-hmm. again. Um so I put together a business plan whilst I was applying for jobs, just in case. <laughs> so a business plan came together and then I had to try and find funding because I didn't have any personal money to put into it. 
Um, and it was just very, very sort of difficult trying to sort of formulate in my head how I was going to go forward. But in the end, I applied for um, a government-funded small business loan. Oh, cool. So I did that rather than a bank. Yeah. The bank direction, because I found that very quite quite taxing anyway. So we went sort of down that route. And then um, a friend of mine invested a small amount as well. So the two amounts together gave me a kind of a basic, shop set up um amount so that's amazing and did you have to sign up a really long lease and stuff or are they quite good here no i mean i'm quite lucky in that i am i'm in the bottom floor of a essentially was a three or four story house and my um landlord lives above oh okay which is which is handy i didn't have an estate agent involved which i think is also quite helpful (laughs) um so i had someone that you know my land my landlady actually is quite a creative person and when she heard that i was looking to set up the store and that this was coming open um she basically said to me well shall we have discussions about it and she gave me um, a rent that was affordable um, rather than, you know, trying to escalate it because of the area and everything else. So I was, it, it all really, it all was quite fortuitous and that things came together in, in a, sort of the right point, I think, in order to do it. Maybe it was meant to be. <laughs> I feel like it was. I mean, I'm sure it was hard work, no, and I'm oh, not no. mean to take away from no, that. No, 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 no. <laughs> it, it's it, it's that whole thing where it's it, it was very much up in the air. I was I was obviously because I do fashion. I was going to different agencies for the brands that I wanted and kind of putting orders together because obviously with fashion you work a year in advance more or less. So I was kind of saying, oh, can I, I'd love to have you in the store and you know me from my other jobs and, you know, would you like to be in this store? But by the way, I need a little bit for spring, summer and then I can put an order together. Oh, by the way, don't send the order yet because I'm waiting for my loan to be <laughs> approved. <laughs> so I was asking a lot of of a few people, but I think I think I've, because of my previous experience and people knowing me from different. different so what things, did you do before? So I was managing um, the uh, store that was uh, again it's clothing and lifestyle, but sort of previous jobs I've done. Um, my background is I trained in fashion. Okay. Um, so I did fashion design. Um, and then I did fashion promotion and illustration. So I've kind of had a couple of different sides of it. Um, and then job-wise, I've always done something creative. So I had jobs as like fashion assistant very early on. And then I went into art production. Um, I've been a photographer's assistant. I was an artist agent for a little while. So it's always on the creative side. Yeah. And then when I... I had a quite a long illness and then coming back from that um, I ended up part-time managing the store and also at the same time I was a seamstress and tailor so I was altering people's like wedding dresses and things oh, like nice. that so yeah but I managed part-time managing the store um, I've managed other stores sort of previously but this was really good because I did get to go and start doing buying more so oh, I'd done, nice. yeah. So I'd done a little bit of buying before, but this time I was going to each appointment. I was like looking at budgets, you know, sort of forecasting things like that. So that really helped me have a level, you know, a better level of confidence. I think coming into setting up my own store because 
uh, nothing was really too much of a surprise, if you know what I mean. I don't. That's nice. Which was quite. Important. You didn't have to learn everything on the job. No, you had no, some. <laughs> no, and that—that's the thing. I think that's been really. That's been a really good basis because I've got the experience and the years behind me of doing different things. I've been a small maker as well. It's like there's lots of things that have led me to this point, but also give you a level of understanding of how yeah. other people work. And also the merchandise, visual merchandising yeah. and that sort of thing. And I'm guessing having that contact with those brands before yeah. really helped because if they you came out of nowhere, they might not have given you... That is exactly right because I, had a, I, I knew the sort of price point that I wanted and the level of quality and things to be really well made. And so I had it in my head that this was, this was the level I was going to go in at and I didn't want to drop that. So you are approaching brands that are... Um, better known in that respect mm. um, and a more a little bit more choosy about where they want to be yeah um, so you have to go in there with a little bit of a little bit of bravado and yeah. kind of go I can really make it work you want to be in Peckham and like really sell it <laughs> really sell it to them and um, and I think yeah I mean nowadays Peckham you know especially the, the past sort of um, five to ten years you can go into people and say I've got a store in Peckham and they'll go Oh, right, yeah. It, it's instantly yeah. a selling point, um, more so than probably when I first moved to Peckham like 18, 19 years ago. Yeah, a lot um, has happened. A lot has happened. All of, a lot of South London. Like, I went to Hernhill Market for the first time a few weeks ago. Uh, yeah, that's beautiful, isn't yeah. it, as well? But, you know, like, probably five, ten years ago, that wasn't the case. No. No, it really, it really isn't, and I think it's it's changed a lot. There is so many more small businesses starting in this area, and also with the advent of the overground train, you know, the Orange Line coming in, yeah. that made a huge difference uh, oh, a yeah. few years ago because you had people that were coming to live in Peckham, even if they, you know, worked in Shoreditch or Whitechapel or Canary Wharf. So yeah. I think that brought a new influx of people in yeah. and a little bit more. And, and you know, with people moving in, it brings money to the area and then there's expansion. So I yeah. think that um, now it's, I, I know so many people that are starting their own cafes, restaurants, small businesses. I mean, just walking down here, mm. I stopped in the first cafe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are But a there lot. was a lot later. There's a lot of cafes. It's well known around here. There's a lot of cafes. Yeah, yeah. and really good bread. <laughs> yeah, really, really good. Oh, uh, yeah, really good pastries, great bread. Yeah, we are spoiled food and drink-wise. Yeah. Absolutely around here, yeah. And how long did it take you then from... The- Making that decision to actually opening your doors. I mean, I uh, so I lost my job in the in. Well, I knew I was losing it in January. March was when I finally finished, and then I had to wait for my my landlady was having a having a kiln, uh, ceramic kiln put in outside uh, the back of my shop in her studio. Wow. So I had to wait whilst they were sorting all that out and getting everything through and building this studio at the back um so I had six weeks where I couldn't actually do anything in the store um and I knew that my lease was sort of starting in May so literally we did a bit of painting of the shop but I painted the shop front myself so that was a really good thing um because 
I, I knew that we were going to open. So I got our social media sort of going a good six weeks in advance. And then I was posting boomerangs of myself painting the front of the shop. And people were walking past asking me what it's going to be. And you're getting a level of interest through social media. Yeah. So you're sort of building up the goodwill. And then, yeah, literally, I think I was in, as soon as everything was done out the, out the back for my landlady, I was in and set up within a week. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so you had everything ready to go. I had everything, <laughs> everything. I mean, this is probably not right, but realistically, I had back, I had boxes of stock in the second room of my flat. So everything was being delivered to my flat because yeah. we couldn't deliver it here. Yeah. It was there. And then we basically got the go-ahead to move in and and I got a couple of friends to put boxes in the back of their car move it all over and I had all the the fittings put in and then we did a yeah I started moving everything one weekend and the following Sunday I did a soft opening and the soft opening was supposed to be what we'll do this see how it goes close down for a few days rejig make sure we're fine and reopen but the first day went so well we just never we haven't closed since. <laughs> so it's one of those things where we were like, okay, okay, well, nothing really terrible has gone wrong. It's always... That's brilliant. Yeah, it was kind of the technology side of it was a little bit clunky to Do you start think with. Instagram helped you at that early start if yeah. you were posting and getting people interested? I think so. I mean, because I, I think people have a... If you're setting up a new company, people like to know the backstory. Yeah. So, you know, the fact was, I didn't have any money to pay anyone to do the front of the shop. So it was me and my husband out the front on a really hot May day, like just doing the front of a shop. And I just thought this this could spark a little bit of interest. And people were already going past and going, oh, what's it going to be? And it's such a lovely yellow, too. It's a, what, so it, it stands out. Yeah, I kind of, well, I think it was painted, it was like a dark blue before. So I wanted to completely change it. Yeah. Um, And I wanted a kind of fairly sort of um unisex colour, but also something that sort of, you know, sort of sparks joy a little bit. So yeah. that you're going in somewhere with, with a positive sort of vibe to it, really. So that was... That was the decision behind that. That's nice. And I guess it's helped maybe that your landlady is actually a creative herself. It really did. It, yeah, it really did. Because I think I think you you can, and I'm sure a lot of people with, with small, trying to set up small businesses will say this, that sometimes you can get very high rents. Yeah. I think that's half of the problem um, with, you know, different high streets and and sort of empty shops and things like that but I was very lucky in the fact that I mean I sell ceramics here from local makers and she knew that I was going to do that and that I wanted to support some small you know different small makers in the shop and you know she could pick and choose who she wanted to come in so for me it was it was about talking to her seeing how she felt about what I was going to do and she you know I was very lucky she took a chance and didn't kind of come in and try and double the rent. She kind of said, okay, this is what I'm coming in at and can you do this? Um, and that's been it. So we've, I've, you know, I've got a three-year lease here. So we'll kind of go along to that point. I'm halfway through. So I hope it's just going to carry on. Yeah. Yeah. This is, that just sounds like a really good way of working together. Yeah. Because yeah. you hear so many horror stories, yeah. don't you? Yeah. Of landlords that are just, not very that doesn't really understand what it 
takes to open a new independent business, I think, and I, how much money it takes. Yeah, I think that's it. I think the the you know I've had a few had a few friends sort of um, send me messages on Instagram where they go, oh, I, you know, I've always had a dream of having a little shop, and and you kind of like I kind of want to get hold of people and go, oh well, look, you don't come into opening an independent store to become a millionaire. You just don't do it. You do it to because you love it. Yeah. You want to do it. You can't see yourself doing anything else and you pay yourself a wage. It's yeah. not something that you can it you know, there's so many hidden costs with having like a, a, your own store that you can't you can't come into it thinking it's going to be a huge money maker because that's yeah. just not how it works. And you're never going to have well, not never. Don't say never. Yeah. But like <laughs> you you're not you're probably not going to have a huge team behind you so you are going to be the everything. Yes. That is exactly <laughs> it. I'm like 95% of it. I'm very I'm very very lucky in fact my my husband's a graphic designer. Um so he has a day job as a graphic designer but he did say from the start that he could do our like brand identity and logo and stuff like that. So from the st- from the start, I had that little bit of help, which saved me a little bit of money, which I could put mm. towards something else. And I do have, so I use an outside agency that for my accounting, but that's it. Otherwise, it's mainly me and some help that I get in, sort of like extra hours at the weekend and things like that. Yeah. But you do have to be your, you know, unless you you've got a bigger investment and can have a bigger team, you do have to wear a lot of hats and I think yeah. that's a that's an important thing and I don't think every store fits that big investment no you know, it's if you're building a business that you're going to be in so many hours every yeah. day you might as well do something that suits you <laughs> yeah you absolutely you absolutely have to love it because there's been times I've been really ill yeah and uh, and I've been like I had that last Christmas where I was, I was really really ill over Christmas and then I'd been at been back in Norfolk visiting my family had those three days and then had to come straight back and set up our sale and then be open from that point so that you have to really love it because even on your days off people will be sending you emails you'll be thinking about orders yeah you 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 have to you have to be able to cope with that and sort of compartmentalize mm-hmm. and kind of say okay this is I'm having some time off to myself here, but I will, you know, you will always be aware that it's going on in the background and that there are things that you have to deal with. So, And do you get a lot of, uh, now, do you get a lot of brands and uh, small businesses contacting you to kind of, that wants to be stocked here? Yeah, I mean, it's really, that's a really nice thing. And I think that because it's difficult when you're in your own business the whole time, you don't have the... The good part of being outside it looking in and kind of going oh it's going fairly well um <laughs> when you're in it you're just like dealing with it all the time so yeah. I think that over the past I'd say like six months it's definitely been there's definitely been a, a bigger level of interest and yeah. there's more people contacting us about wanting to be in the store and I think that's a that's a sort of like a small indicator that we're we're doing fine I think so yeah absolutely yeah so it's, it's a, a compliment thing. isn't it, it absolutely I think that's that's the strange that's the sort of a strange thing to me because I think once you put your foot on the pedal and you start your own business you very rarely take your foot off and go oh hang on let's see how we're doing oh we're doing quite well and people like us and we're getting return customers and because you don't get really a chance to do that very often yeah the indicators to me that we're 
we're you know people like us and people like what we're doing is if they're contacting us and saying we we would quite like to be in your store that's lovely and when they do that how do you like what's the best way to do that do you say fine as a small shop you know what the biggest thing for me is if people actually contact us with and use my name yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) which sounds like a really obvious thing but the um like i'd say 75 yeah like 75 percent of people i will get an email that goes hey there with no name hey there we love what you're doing inserts random (laughs) like instagram post or something like that there will be a lot of those kind of ones where you know i the recent sort of brands that i've added to the store or small makers that i've added to the store have been the ones who've gone hi joe um i'm doing this i've seen what you're doing and blah 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 you know it just the little bit of personalization means that you, you there's a little bit of a more of a level of interest rather they've sent a blanket email yeah. out to loads of people and actually your name is very clear exactly there on your website yes. yeah it's kind and of it's like not a difficult name either. no it's kind of like here i am so it's not it's not it's not difficult to find to be no. honest with you so i think as a starting point, if you can find out the people that you want to contact and sort of direct it at them rather than do like a blanket email, hmm. um, I think that's really helpful. And also to look at what else we're stocking. Yeah. Um, if you're, you know, there, there's certain sort of clothing brands that will kind of approach you and it's like, um, it's really dressy kind of like tight going out dresses, which is the complete other end of what <laughs> yeah. we do. And you you think, oh, I don't know whether they've actually really looked at what we sell. Yeah. So I think, I think that's the thing really, to try and narrow your search down to people that you really want to where you really want to be in their store and you think it will fit well yeah. because then on the flip side of that I will look at it and think yeah that fits the store and, you know that way you're saving time if you are the maker or designer yeah, or brand absolutely. it takes a lot of time otherwise it's different if it's your big brand and you're a salesperson for that yeah. brand and you just have to that's yeah, your full-time yeah, thing yeah of course but if you are a small indie brand and you're doing it all yourself too why you know spend loads of time contacting loads of people exactly instead of spending even like an hour researching what else there that's, is that's exactly it just you know narrow your focus because mm. if as soon as you do a blanket sort of reach out to lots of different um stores that probably aren't right for you yeah again it's like a waste of your time and their time and i just think the more it's more focused and you actually approach pe- shops that you really want to be in yeah. you're more likely to get a, a more yeah. positive hit rate you know so I've heard from a lot of people I've worked with lately that they thought you know it was the right fit and they contacted the store and then they went to the store because they yeah. were in that area and they realized actually I, I get why they didn't get yeah. back to me now. <laughs> yeah so that yeah. can happen if you yeah. can't visit but like at least narrow it down as much as you can. I think that makes a huge difference. And and a, a couple of the small makers that I've took on recently have actually emailed me, used my name, and then I've kind of said, well, yeah, maybe I should see like the product in person. Okay, I'll 
I'll come over and see you. Mm. Uh, give me a time, I'll come over and we'll spend 15 minutes and I'll show you the, the product. And that's been really helpful as well because, yeah. you know, realistically, because I, I work on my own a lot, I can't get out to see different yeah. people and brands anyway unless it's unless I'm already stocking them and it's a specific um, appointment time. So if, if you know, if someone does turn around and kind of say, well, can I... Come Can I you. come to you? I'll be like, yeah, absolutely you can. So that's always really helpful. That's nice. And with your fashion, do you... I mean, are most of them long leads, so you have to buy them far in advance. Do you also stock things that are kind of available? No, um, I mean, once you're in the season that you're selling, there's um, some of the bigger brands will let you... You can do an order on their B2B website, so it can mm-hmm. be a little bit of a background. But a lot of the brands that I stock, because they're... they're you know, really good quality and they're well made, which is what what we always wanted to do. And mm. um, you're doing it that that far in advance so that they are making a certain amount to order. Yeah. And also, I don't over order because. I don't believe in overstocking and having lots of excess yeah. clothing that will, you know, I, you know, we all have to think uh, more ethically when it comes yeah. to clothing. So for me, I order small. And then if I need to add in when I'm in season, I can add in in season. But Mm. um, because we're small anyway, we order small numbers. And I think that our customers realise that. You're giving them a very sort of um, specific kind of range of clothing that they're not going to see many other people in. Yeah. Um, You don't want to have something that is really... We do a lot of print and colour. Don't really want to have masses of people out there in Peckham wearing the same item because then it feels less special. Yeah. And the whole point is we're trying to do something that's a little bit more special. So we want people to be walking around Peckham or or East Dulwich or Nunhead around here and someone come up to them and go, where'd you get your coat? Or, you know, where'd you get your jumper? And, And things like that. So it's more about trying to focus it and make it more customer focus yeah. and, and what what they want rather than sort of anything too um overly mass produced really yeah so do you go to people's showroom for that or uh, do you go to trade shows how does it work uh, with clothing it's usually with you're set up with either the brand or the agency mm-hmm. that is representing them so you have an appointment with them you put your you look at the collection um have a chat with the agent about it discuss numbers then you put your own selection together um and then you do numbers later on and then that gets sent off so it's all done quite a long time in advance yeah um but but then you know what you've got coming in yeah um and some some of our brands do six collections a year which is a lot um but realistically i would say I with menswear it's still nearly always two collections a year it's still very much spring summer yeah. autumn winter with women's wear it's much more we don't we do little drops here and there and okay. spread out rather than lots of ma- you know one really big drop and then yeah. because people still like to see something fresh on the rails but yeah. um for us we don't really tend to do anything much more than four times a year and it's a smaller amount smaller drops less sizes and then the sort of changeover happens sort of usually sort of every every sort of six to eight weeks you'll have little drops um sort of directed all the way through really so it's just about keeping interest but um i don't like having too much stock and i won't over order i'd rather order in season if i can yeah 
And do you then fit in your like lifestyle and gifting around that? Yeah. Because that you don't have to buy as early. No, I mean it's uh, homewares tend to be much more, much less season specific. So it's um, it's um, it's easier in that respect. You can you the you know product will come out and it will continue throughout the year and you yeah. can reorder it. So um, yeah, I think the clothing because I'm I'm from a fashion background, the clothing did come first. Yeah. But I already I was very very aware from managing the, the the store across the road that people were really and that store was closing people were really going to miss somewhere to get like a really nice greetings card a candle mm. ceramic um so i wanted to be able to offer like a wide range because if someone comes in and they don't want to spend a lot of money on a jumper or a coat they can get a pair of earrings they can get a hairband they can get a pair of socks they can yeah. get themselves a nice candle and for um, gifts, I swear. Yeah, I for gifts especially. But it's also, you know, at the moment, there's definitely, like, I, I feel like there's a leaning towards self-care kind yeah. of. Uh, like, little treats for yourself, because we're in a bit of a an interesting time, I think, economically and politically. Mm. And I think that um, quite often people do kind of want to buy themselves some nice bath salts or a candle and... yeah. You know, particularly if you're watching what you're spending your money on, yeah, and you absolutely. don't want to spend a hundred and twenty pounds on a new outfit yeah. or whatever it might be, yeah. but but you do still want something to feel that's it, get that feeling yeah. you get, yeah, <laughs> you know, because I, I think that's the thing. It's it, if I go and say I go into somewhere like Liberty in London. I might not come out of there buying anything. Yeah. They, they have a certain sort of price range. But I will go in and I will absorb the kind of positive feeling that I get yeah. from the store and walking around and like touching nice clothes or going to their haberdashery department and going through buttons. And, yeah. Um, a lot of it is about giving someone a really positive experience. So, you know, sometimes I get cu- I'll get customers come in, they're like, I don't, I'm not buying anything, but I'm just having a bit of a bad day, and it, the, that's the, lovely. Which is really lovely. I'm I'm not, you know, obviously it's lovely if someone buys something, but if someone feels like they can come in and like touch some nice clothes and feel happier yeah. leaving, then my job is kind but of. But they also going to remember that, and then yeah. they associate that with coming here. So yeah, when they do want to buy something, absolutely. I just there's no point in no point in a hard sell. It is much easier say hello when someone comes in, and then just kind of you know if you need any help, I'm here. Yeah. But otherwise, you know, you look around and tell me if you need anything. Yeah. And it's it's much more positive experience that way. No one wants to. I wouldn't want to leave a shop feeling I'd been pressured into buying something because I'm not going to go back I'm yeah. not equating it to a positive experience no, if no one acknowledges me or they try to hard sell me those are the two yeah. times where I'm like no that's <laughs> it it's just like a hello I you know I don't always get a hello back but that's not yeah, someone's no. problem that's that's me I just want to welcome someone in, yeah. have a look around, spend as long as you want, it's and then it to be a positive. Same with thing. a trade show, like yeah, like at least people don't want to be pounced, but they still 
want to be ignored. Yeah, that, that's it. When I've been around trade shows, which I, I still do go around trade shows sometimes for like homewares and things, and you're wearing your lanyard, you yeah. know, with your name on it, yeah. and you just think, oh, I'll keep my eyes down because I'm worried about uh, people pouncing on me. Yeah. And but it doesn't really happen like that. It's more people just want to smile at you, say hello, and then once I'm looking around something, yeah. someone will go, oh, do you need any help? Or, by the way, this is my name, and they introduce themselves. And it's a really positive experience that way, I think. Yeah, I think. We all have a fear of being pounced on in that yeah, kind of... Yeah, we're yeah. all there feeling the same Absolutely. way. But we, I don't know why. Maybe it's because, you know, what sales are like in movies. <laughs> I think maybe that's what it is. I think that... I don't, I don't know. It's a really strange thing we, we, where people sort of... I've had, I've had customers come in before... Who will come in and they will first, they will just instant. I'll say hello and they'll instantly go. I don't want to buy anything. It's like I'm I'm not yeah I'm not going to make you buy anything. It's absolutely fine. So how do you get people in through the doors? Because that is you know something we kind of hear about high street struggling and you know what do you do anything? What do you do to kind of market yourself and get people to keep coming back? I think I think the thing is that we 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 do hear a lot of at the moment about the death of the high street and everything else, and I think it's very, I think it can be a little bit damaging. But also, I think people need to bear in mind a lot of the problems are with stores that are absolutely huge, and there's mm. many many branches of them. And they've expanded very quickly, and then they can't maintain. Like there's there's no real personal touch anymore and I think this is where independent um you know businesses can really jump in is that we you know I know like 90% of my customers that come in so you are there giving that personal touch whether you know their name or whether you know their size or their wife's size or you know it's it's being able to add something that is it's more human experience and I think that when you get into the bigger stores that can be lost yeah so I think it's really important to show personality and kind of get yourselves out there as a friendly face so for me Instagram has been really big for us because I do a lot of stories and posts and things like that but it is kind of showing that there's a more you know approachable aspect to us mm-hmm. um we're not you know we're not sort of scary people at all just come and ask us anything and also to be you integrate yourself into the community more so we do things like workshops in the evening and sort of events and things like that so but for me it's trying to make sure that people know that we're not going anywhere we're planning to be here a long time and come and ask us anything really so but it is it's all about a, a personal touch rather than being kind of like a big faceless uh, yeah store. I, I think that's the biggest challenge for the traditional high street yeah. stores that they have no personality anymore there's no reason to go there yeah because you might as well be on their website you know a- absolutely like, there's no reason to visit their shop no and we're very lucky around here because peckham is full of people that want to use independent businesses and people Mm. will come in customers will come in and say is everything okay how are things going for you so yeah there's a real level of interest because I think that last year was our first Christmas and 
I wasn't sure how it was going to go. I didn't know if we'd be busy or not. But so many people were coming in and saying, oh, my God, I'm so glad all you businesses on this road are here because I don't have to go into town to yeah. do X, Y and Z. And you've saved me going in and fighting through Regent Street. So yeah. I think, you know, you have to build on your difference and build on your uniqueness. Yeah. Um, and that ability to, to turn around to someone and say, oh, yeah, like, why don't you go for this? And I remember you bought this last time. And how about this as an alternative? And if you start to get to know your customers more, then yeah. it, it's much, it's much, much easier. I think it's all about making those connections yeah. now. And I think we all crave that a bit more. I wish, actually, so I live close to Richmond. Yeah. And I wish I was more independent there. Yeah. It's just, it just makes it more fun to shop. I think, yeah, you, it, absolutely. Seeing it from the customer side, you want the breadth of um, individuality and range. Mm. So I think that if you, if there's always like an identikit store on each high street, that's where you lose that sort of personality, really. And I yeah. think that particularly on Bellington Road, where we are, we've really kind of fought against trying to have any chain stores or kind of chain cafes or things like that in because we kind of feel like there's plenty of those close by. Yeah. So just keep this as a little enclave where people can promote their small business and, and people are really positive about it. They that's really lovely. Are, yeah. I think that's what they did many quite a few years ago in Stoke Newington yeah. too, where uh, they kind of didn't want them the chains. Yeah. I don't know if it's changed now. I haven't been for a while, but like it was definitely all the people having yeah. shops there that sort of you know said no. Absolutely, and I'm I'm from I'm from Norfolk originally, and from close to Great Yarmouth. And Great Yarmouth is um, a very seasonal town, but also. Uh, there weren't a huge amount of independent businesses because chain stores came in, mm. took up all the spaces, moved the independent business out. And now what's happened, unfortunately, is a lot of the chain stores have now closed and left the town and made it, you know, um, there's 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 not a huge amount of retail there that, you know, isn't sort of pound shops and, and everything yeah. else. And it's, and it's a really sad thing because, you know, the rents get pushed up the only people that can afford them are, are chains. And yeah. then when they leave, you're still left with a space that isn't filled because yeah. the rent is too high or, you know, and if you have your rent too high, your business rates are too high and it's all a horrible sort of snowball effect, really. Yeah. And there's no reason to visit that no. town then, really. No, I think more people, I'm, I'm hoping that my hometown has, has got a lot better and there's probably more investment going into it. I think there's a drive towards it. But I, I think that's that's the worry is that you just, if, if people see a certain area doing well with independence in it, there is that chance that you get sort of people behind the scenes and landlords who kind of go, oh, well, you're obviously all doing really, really well, <laughs> uh, which is the other that other fallacy of everyone yeah, thinking yeah. that that you know um they don't see the work involved and the fact that everything is plied back into the business so i think there's that worry that rents go up there's only certain people that can afford it and then other businesses move out so we really work we all work really hard mm. to sort of keep the the road looking as it does really and to keep it positive it's nice, and then you have your community here because you all do helping each other as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but there's another there's another clothing store over the road, and 
we get on really, really well. And that's that's another real positive thing. Is if you have two stores that do clothing and, and, and mm. gifts and things like that, it brings more people yeah. to you yeah. because more people will come along. We're not on the main high street in Peckham. So it will people kind of go, okay, oh, there's a really nice cafe there. So I can go and have some lunch there. Then I can go to the bookstore. And then there's two shops that sell yeah. this, this and this. It's a really positive thing. So the more the more independent business, businesses that come to the, this sort of area, I think the better, really. Yeah, because it becomes more of a destination. Yeah, absolutely. Because sometimes you're not quite sure if one shop is going to have what you yeah. need that day, yeah. but two... Yeah, as soon know. as you know there's more... Stoke Newton's a very good example. Yeah. So now, uh, you know, I know that there's several stores in Stoke Newton on Church Street and places yeah. like that. Where I'm like, oh yeah, I know that this, 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 and this is here. Um, I can go and get a cup of coffee there, or go and get some lunch, and and it then becomes a worthwhile journey. Yeah, because you can do several things at one time, and I think that we're very mindful in Peckham that you want people to come to the area. You know, we end up with tourists in Peckham now, which you, we used to yeah. have less of, but people will come in and. That's all really over. cool. Do you think that's because there's that food market? Is there a food market or something like that? Yeah, well, we've got... Um, there's there's so many different places to eat. And then there's they've also just recently opened Market Peckham, which is workspaces and food places and, you know, bars. Yeah. Um, there's Peckham Levels, which is hugely popular, which is a similar thing, workplace and food and, and, and wine, things like that. There's always a lot of bars. There's always a lot of restaurants. There's really good cinema in Peck and Plex, which is really mm. popular as well. There's so many things going on. We have Peck and Festival every year. Um, there's recently, I think last month, Boiler Room Festival came, which is a, like a basically sort of like club music. And it oh, did yeah. four nights over different areas. So it really has like, it really attracts people in, I think. That's lovely. And then going back to like buying in stock and stuff, is there very different margins on fashion to like your homewares and stuff? How does it? Yeah, I mean, I think there's normally it's a better margin for me as a retailer on clothing because if you're working with bigger brands, they can offer that. Yeah. So, you know, with clothing, it can be like a 2.7 markup. And then with homewares, I mean, homewares and ceramics and things like that it's usually lower and it's usually anything from sort of 2 to 2.4 something like that yeah um so with clothing it's all it's really always been that way i think to make it more attractive to the yeah. to the retailer um and to make it work really yeah which is a, such a challenge there's so many independent brands yeah. opening now absolutely i mean they're much more around the mark of homeware more yeah. because they it, they just can't make it work otherwise, especially if they want to manufacture in the UK. Yeah. And ceramics is really hard to make margins. On yeah, too. it really is. I mean, we, you know, with my, with the ceramicists that we have here, I actually work on a sort of percentage basis and I pay up front, which is actually, I think, quite, probably quite unusual from what I can gather. Yeah. A lot of people are kind of sale or return and things like that. But I've, I've been a small maker and for me, I would much rather pay someone up front and it all clear and that 
the maker gets the money then yeah. rather than it going further down the line. So for me, I just think it's fairer um, to the person involved in the making. So I would much rather do that. That's really lovely. I get asked about sale and return yeah. a lot. And there is a lot of different interpretations yes. about what that means. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you, you can't even give someone a straight answer. My no. first thing is usually... Ask the shop what they mean with sell return yeah. because it means different things to everyone. Yeah. I mean, I'm from, I work in book publishing for a yeah. long time and sell return is very common, but you know, it's very strict on how it works. Yeah. Whereas now there's loads of that, which it, actually surprised yeah, me. Yeah. It's not really a clear cut thing because for some people, sale or return means you pay nothing at all yeah. up front. And it's like commission. And then, yeah. And then if you sell it, then yeah. you pay them. And then other, other times, sale or return is that you're still pay, you're paying as you go. Yeah. Other times it's up front, but you return anything you don't sell. Yeah. And that's taken off the end. So there's, there's loads of different permutations of it, <laughs> and I think that can be that can be confusing for everyone. So it's better to be clear at the start of what you're doing. And as a shopkeeper, like I would have thought that would be confusing. You know, if you traded on yeah. lots of different models yes. with lots of different people, yeah. Like, how do you know what you? I mean, you obviously have systems and stuff. But yeah. Like, it would be harder to know what you paid for, what's still coming up, what's you it, know. It is. I mean, I have a payment calendar in which I. <laughs> try and like as 90% of my invoices I'll put my payment cancer so I know when 30 days is and blah 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 so I, there's always going to be something that slips through the net and then you, you pay it a couple of days late or whatever but I think for me the the main thing is sometimes you're working on pro forma basis yeah. so you are paying up front and that can be um sometimes with clothing as well other yeah. or a cloth you know a couple of my clothing brands it's you pay a 30% deposit. When they're smaller ones, yeah. you pay a 30% deposit before the clothing is made. Yeah. And then that's to pay off all the materials and everything like that. And then when they're about to deliver the collection, you then pay the remaining amount then. Yeah. Whereas bigger brands, it tends to be you put the order in, they will start delivering it. And from that point that they deliver, you pay 30 days. Yeah. So they give you a little bit of time to start selling what you've paid for, <laughs> yeah. which is really helpful. But yes, I mean, you know, with some some collections like, like the menswear, it's in the store four or five months with you adding bits and pieces in. But you are obviously expected to pay for the entire amount within yeah. 30 days. So it's, um, it's you know, that I think that's... If you're if you're a clothing retailer, that that's an added pressure. And so you have to have your cash flow. Yeah. yeah. And if you're not used to that, mm. if you a lot of people I speak to that open shop, they're not, you know, that is a dream and a yeah. passion. And it's not what you did this before. Is it. You have to be on top of cash flow because I'm I'm lucky in in respect that um I come from a family that has been very no one ever had a credit card. It was always you pay for what you get, mm. and um I was taught like the value of money quite sort of early on and to not overspend. So for me, um coming into this, and I didn't want to. I want to be here for uh, as long as possible. So for me, it's about making it work. And I don't want to get into, uh, you know, the problems that other small businesses have financially. You're constantly kind of a balancing act of money mm. coming in and going out and coming in and going out. And and if you're keeping on top of that, that's 
one of your major things, that's pretty much the thing that will keep you going if you can keep on top of your cash flow situation. Yeah, I think it's the downfall of most independent mm. businesses, yeah. like shops. Yeah, I think if you're, because this thing, a lot of people who have stores in particular are creative people yeah. and I think as a creative person you are working that part of your brain <laughs> a lot and it works in a certain way so when it comes to financial things your brain can kind of go oh I don't really like this or you don't find it enjoyable mm. and if you don't find it an enjoyable thing you will try and probably it will probably compartmentalize to a different part of your yeah. brain that you were like I'll deal with that another time but like just you have to be on top of it what do you think a small brand can do to kind of stand out in terms of like how you're working together like and have a good working relationship apart from maybe you know is credit important margin we touched on but what's important I think for me like lead times are really helpful so um you know for me leading up to Christmas in particular there's been a couple of things I've been interested in for Christmas but if if the brand sort of gets back to you and says, well, realistically, our lead times can be eight eight to ten weeks mm. during busy times, that to me is um, not not that it's not understandable to yeah. make something, but it becomes harder because if I sell through a particular product and want to order it in, ideally, if someone, you know, some some brands will send you something within a couple of days, yeah. other people it'll be two weeks. But I think having realistic, know no from the retailer's side that realistically um, a, um, a workable lead time is much more amenable to a retailer than anything, you know, too to out there, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Especially of those key best-selling items. Yeah. So if you know that part of your range you sell twice as much, yeah. try to maybe make, make a bit. Make it in an advance. Yeah, I know that's hard, though. I mean, it I've been on the other though. side, and it's kind of, again, it's a cash flow situation, yeah. <laughs> probably, unfortunately. But I I really think that if you can be on, you know, be aware of it, I mm. think, when you're approaching a retailer, then um, and that on the run-up to Christmas, Christmas, if they want to order something in that it's it's more difficult to work something out so that there's a 10 week wait period that's very difficult yeah. from our side of things because you're then relaying that to your customer and saying well sorry it's not going to be in for a couple of months that's mm. quite hard I think a lot of people asking right now like what is it too late to contact people and introduce yourself like what do you do and I always sort of say well, you can introduce yourself. They might not bring you in. Yeah. Because you can't stop your business for two... Like, no one can stop doing any work for their business for no. a few months. So you kind of have to find a balance where you are introducing yourself to new potential yeah. shops, but still have that expectation that maybe even if you introduce yourself now, it might not happen until... Yeah, later. because it's, um, you know... If something, if I think something is going to work for the shop, whether or not I have the budget for it at the moment, yeah. I will still absolutely be keeping it in mind for when I do have the budget. Yeah. So we've got a new candle brand that's coming in and they approached us uh, probably about four to six weeks ago. And I said, then I don't have the budget for the moment, but I could, could we get you in for 
like the first couple of weeks of November because then I've done a certain amount of payments yeah. and then we'll have you on the run up to Christmas. We can see whether it works. There will be enough time for a reorder for Christmas. Yeah. Um, and they were absolutely fine about it because I'd said yes. I was just kind of like, but I need to wait until this day. Yeah. So if I think something will work, um, I, I have to, I'm, I'm a small store, I have to wait until I think I've got the budget for it yeah, and to also sustain that because you don't want to have a brand come in that you pay out for once and then you can't afford to keep paying for restocks. No. You know, you want to be able to, the, the customer can come in, buy a candle, it goes out of stock and then it will be with you, uh, you know, there'll be another one there. Yeah. Um. So I don't want to bring anything in that I can't sustain in the future. And that's that's it. really nice, yeah. I think, because as a creative or maker, I think it's nicer to build those longer standing relationships. Yeah, absolutely. So you would rather wait for it to start yeah. than, you know have it be a one-hit wonder sort yeah. of thing. No, that's absolutely it. And also, um, a lot of small makers you get that real personal relationship with. I mm. mean, there's quite a lot of people that supply at the store and you know them really well and it's like an easy backwards and forwards and it's yeah. much easier um, than, than when it's, you know, a bit of a bigger faceless kind of And how do they keep in touch with you? What's your, like, what do you enjoy when, in terms of that? Um, I I think from, for me, I like getting updates when there's new products in. I mean, there's um, a couple of different um, people that will be in touch just probably once a month and just say, how are sales going? Uh, Is there anything else you need? Um, Even if there isn't anything else I need, it's just being able to say, it's like a little reminder saying, we're here if you need us. Yeah. Um, it's like saying hi to yeah, someone that absolutely. comes into your shop. That's the other thing. People coming into the store as well, if they're in the area, that's that's really nice. Yeah. So I think sometimes, uh, you know, with with bigger brands, it can be a little bit, you know, you're never going to meet that person who came yeah. up with it in the first yeah. place. So uh, it's, it's really important, you know, to just have some sort of level of contact coming in or like, you know, well, we've got um, a new capsule collection coming out do you want to come in and see it even if I don't go and end up buying it it's that thing of like having regular contact but not to the point where maybe someone is where someone is emailing you weekly kind of saying what are the sales like what the sales oh yeah no (laughs) so I've had that before so it's it's you kind of want something that is nicely you know works for both of you really I always say that you know if you're starting working with your stockers ask them how often they often reorder yeah and then Say if they say two months, every six to eight weeks, call like call them or email them Absolutely. and check in, because then you have that information, and that's how often they generally would want you to keep in touch. Then yeah, I think that's perfect. Like four or six weeks is a perfect amount of time because you can. It's almost like a newsletter thing. It's yeah. kind of like this is what I've been up to. This is what's coming up. This new product will be out in a few months' time. Um, but you know, you're not you're not sitting on the other end, you're not harassing them. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, it's just checking in really and hopefully um try and do that because because it is, you know, mostly me in the store. I try and do that as much as possible. And just to kind of 
sort of see how things are going and if I was gonna order something in mid-November am I likely to be okay for yeah. Christmas and things like that so but that that's quite important I mean I used to be a lot more flexible on kind of leave times be like oh that's fine if it turns up in 10 weeks but I think that as you get further into it and customers like a particular product and yeah. they want that product to be if you run out that product can be replaced in a in a reasonable amount of time but it yeah. becomes more it becomes sort of like more apparent that it's needed yeah you're, you're, at the end of the day everyone wants everyone wants someone to buy their product so you yeah. have to kind of lean in to what that person is asking yeah. for and I sort of say you need to, it's worth spending time on your lead time and reducing it because the more you can replenish people, the more you can get sales from your existing stockists. You don't have to have as many either. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I think there's a lot of benefits mm. with being able to top up people quite quickly. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing. I think with some with some brands, they want to expand very quickly and maybe not in a sort of an organic matter, m- manner, you know, so mm. that they're doing it in a way where they're choosing who they want to be stocked with correctly and, and things like that, because I kind of feel that I feel now I'm getting approached by brands where they've actually really looked mm. at what we sell and kind of on, oh, well, this will fit with this. Oh, they already stock that. And we stock with this person, so it yeah. will all kind of work together like harmoniously. And I think that the more you can do that and figure out where you want to be and position yourself in the market, I think it's just going to be really helpful either side. Yeah. So what advice would you give to a new brand that is new to wholesale and want to start being stocked in shops? Do you have any advice to them? Um, I think the yeah main thing is is like focusing your attention in the right areas and also you know knowing your lead times on products having also having a fairly um, not too diverse product range and I think knowing what you do well and sort of creating a product range within that I think that's a really good thing sometimes you get um, you do get different brands that may expand into lots of different areas and they kind of lose the focus of what they're really about yeah um, so I think that's quite important lead times is really important um, so yeah they're kind of I think that's probably what I would would say about that brilliant and so what's next for you for for se15 um oh well we're um oh we're coming up to christmas so that's really interesting because we always have um a little bit of added um product lines in which would be really nice we have like some amazing uh christmas glass ornaments that come in from america which are um that's a company from them they do these crazy like this year we've got an Anna Wintour bauble coming oh. in so it's kind of like they do these crazy ones um so we, we always do really good Christmas decorations there'll be a couple of new product lines and sort of homewares that will come in pre-collections for three of three or four of my brands come in so that means that's pre-spring summer 20 oh wow um but they deliver they start delivering in november so it means there'll be some fresh clothing in which will be really nice and then going into next year um just kind of like honing really what we want to do and making sure that we're offering our customer like the quality and design that they really want making Mm. sure that you know um i think we've got a couple of new brands that have come in recently so we've got folk 
on, on our menswear side and LF Markey on our womenswear side. And they've been really important additions and they feel very right for Peckham and this area and our customer. So it's making sure that we're basically making our customer happy and and sort of carrying on with that and making sure that if we go into any other kind of clothing brands that we're keeping very true to our sort of ethos really and what we want to do. How many brands do you stock now? Um, I think uh, women's wear, I think it's six and I think men's wear five. Oh, fairly um, equal. Fairly equal. Yeah, that was a big thing for me. I, I've always, I loved, menswear was what I specialised in when I did fashion design. So I always wanted to do menswear and womenswear. Our menswear section is slightly smaller just because of space, realistically. Yeah. But it's it's absolutely important on either side. And, and for us, it's all about sort of quality and trying to also to grow um, more sustainably as well we do that as much as humanly possible a lot of our labels are are have that as an underpinning so I think that we're we're all about sort of quality and wearability and wearing things for a really long time so I just want to maintain that sort of quality all the way through really and I think the customers appreciate that more and more that yeah. You know, you buy something that you really love and you're going to have it for years rather than you buy something because you're going for dinner. Yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely. And I think that was, you know, that was my, when I was like 18, I would buy a top to go out oh, on no. a Saturday night. I mean, and, and there still are, that's catered for. I mean, yeah. rightly or wrongly, that is catered for with like online websites and things like that. I mean, I personally, I don't agree with it, you know, uh, ethically it's it's a really hard it's a hard area to be in but I think that has been the the rebound from that and that sort of thought process with clothing is now we've gone back to a way where people are actually realizing how clothes are made um people being paid properly people in the correct working conditions I mean you know Having having studied fashion design, I've made clothes from the pattern, from the sketch yeah. to the pattern to the twirl to everything, and and the amount of work that goes into things like that um, should be um, held up as a quality a quality piece, really, rather than something that is you know poorly made and then thrown. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, I, I I don't think the the customers that's shop here ask me a lot of questions about the clothes and I have to be able to give answers and feel happy at my answers and I think that's a really major thing for me I don't want to be able to don't want to sort of you know not know what I'm selling yeah. everything in here is here because I put it here yeah and I've made that decision and so you know people can ask me anything about the clothes and I'll be able to talk to them about it and that's really important for me and do you find more and more people want that information? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, but but even more so about even homewares and things like that. Yeah. So someone will ask me, you know, lots of different questions about a candle and how it's made and what the oils are and whether it yeah. burns a certain way. And <laughs> it's and and but I I know because yeah. I, I put it in there and the whole the whole point of it being an independent store is I can answer that question. Yeah. And if you go into like a bigger store with hundreds of people working there. That that's a more difficult answer to yeah, give. Yeah, it is. You lose. You can lose sight of what your what you're selling and what your product is. And I want you know if someone comes in here and 
buys a candle, I want them to be able to go home, burn the candle and come back and say, I'll have another of those candles. You, yeah. know, you don't want them to come back and then say, oh, well, the wick fell off and it's not burning properly. Yeah. So, you know, I don't I don't want that sort of returns process to sort of, for, for my customer. So for me, it's about, you know, them being able to put their trust in me that I'm selling selling really nice quality things that they, they'll, you know, either keep wearing or keep using or rebuy. Yeah. And that's what it's about, really. I think that's so lovely that now there is opportunity and it's appreciated to, to yeah. do that. Yeah, it feels, and I feel very happy that actually we have a, a you know, a, a younger customers, but, you know, customers that are like in teenage years and in their 20s that will ask those questions are much more bothered about where things come from and where things are made. And I feel that's that's such a positive step if you've got the if you've got you know young people doing that we're on the right path really rather than a throwaway culture and I think that's really important because we've got to keep like nurturing that 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 interest that makes me so happy to hear yeah you've got to keep nurturing that interest because you will get more creative people you'll get more young makers yeah you will get people involved in the making process and what end results you know what all filters back basically so you need to be able to you know to have those questions and answers yeah that's so lovely so finally can you share a business it could be a brand a maker another retailer that you admire and that you feel is doing something you are connecting with at the moment um well so there's different makers that actually i sell in the store that i'm really interested in and kind of well, well the, uh, nina from war and drobe for example so she she supplies our really beautiful headbands yeah uh, which you can see and and which are made from either bamboo silk or velvet and she is she's also like fashion fashion designer so she has her own range of clothing um and then the headbands are made from the end pieces of her fabric so she's always using fabrics um she recently did a pop-up in and other stories on regent street so she is someone that is a small maker but she is she approached the store by knowing my name by saying this is what i'm doing and she actually sent me her details over with the dresses and the headbands but she did actually say i think the dresses are probably the wrong price range but my headbands i think would really suit your store so she'd already done that leg work and i kind of let them when i've got a gap that i think they would work really well with she came over and visited me with some of them and i instantly fell in love with them and they've been really popular so from that point of view i I admire her a lot because i think that she's she's doing something ethical sustainable yeah. but also she's staying true to her ethos and um she's working on you know head headbands are a really big trend at the moment so she's hit on that she's taking opportunities that are offered to her um with collaborations and stuff so that's she's been really good jen who runs join candles i think she's been a yeah. <laughs> she's been a guest on your podcast she's amazing as well she's someone who runs her own business um, basically from home creating these amazing candles that are one of our biggest sellers yeah and you um, have your own with her as well yeah you? we have a we have one that we've done in conjunction with her where all the profits go to southern food bank mm-hmm. um and we've raised i 
think probably around £1,400. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we launched it last year and basically all the profits go. So we, we obviously cover the wholesale cost and then anything on top of that goes straight to the food bank. And that was a lovely thing to work on because we worked on the scent together. Yeah. But also she's someone that is very mindful. It's a, You know, she creates vegan candles that are essential oil-based, so they're, they're really beautiful as well. So And from, sustainable all yeah. the way through. Yeah. Like, like even just using like the vegetable dyes on her packaging. Yeah, I mean stuff. she's she's thought it out from beginning yeah. to end. So they're probably the two in the store. I think the other the only one of the other businesses that I'm really interested in, which is much bigger, but um I'm a big advocate of the Man Repeller website, which is an amazing website. It started off as purely more of a fashion website and yeah. it's built around the founder uh, Leandra started it because she was wearing clothing that basically her husband didn't like so it was kind <laughs> of like but she loved it and it's this real sort of freeing fashion style website where you know there would be all this amazing clothing on there and it'd be really unusual and she had a really good sense of humor through it all and now that is a really big um it's not just style based it's kind of ethical dilemmas readers problems they do think pieces on feminism books films it's a really interest i find that a very interesting website and it has its own kind of like accessories line she's doing she's partnering up with mango to do a fashion line so it's a oh, really wow. yeah it's a really interesting i'll have to look that up yeah it's a really it's a fun read it's and it's um yeah, I just find it really interesting. It's grown a lot in the past few years, but I still read that pretty much every lunchtime to kind of cheer myself up. So that's, that's nice. Yeah, that's one of the big ones for me. And then lastly, how can people find, where do people find and connect with you if they're not in Peckham? Uh, so probably main uh, through Instagram. So we're for messy 15 on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we have a Facebook page as well, which you can go ahead and like. Um, but people DM me a lot on Instagram quite a lot. Um, but I think that if you're not in the area, that's the best way to kind of see what we're doing, what's coming up and kind of what we're all about really. And hopefully, specifically through Instagram, because it's a very visual medium. Yeah. I feel that's really helpful in kind of saying what we're doing, what we're selling and, yeah. and everything else really. Yeah, and I will put all the links for the website oh, and everything you. in the show notes. That would be great. Thank you very and much. Thank you so much for coming Whoa. on the show. Not at all. I've loved it. Thank you so much, Thank Grace. you. Thank you so much, Joe, for coming on the show and spending so much time with me chatting to me. And thank you to all of you who are listening. I really, really love sharing these stories and I hope that you are enjoying listening to them. For December, I'm going to do an alternative advent calendar leading up to Christmas where I will be featuring an independent shop and their best-selling small business or maker over on my grid. So if you are an independent shop and you're listening, I would love to hear what your bestsellers are or what you predict will be your bestsellers. So do get in touch if that's you. All the details on how to get in touch with me are in the show notes and all the details on all the people we talk about in this podcast are there as well, including, of course, Joe's Instagram and website. I hope that you are wrapping up warm and that you are not feeling too 
overwhelmed yet. It's going to get busier, hopefully. But that's a good thing. This is the time of the year where we want to be super busy with orders and making and shipping and packing and all that. So if it hasn't kicked off for you yet, then uh, do everything you can to get prepped and ready. And I hope that you listen in next week as well, where I will be talking to a brilliant stationery brand and I hope that you have a great week thank you so much